and we love the vulnerability that we see in authentic leader. But I think when given the chance to be authentic ourselves, we hesitate. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here are your hosts from the digital learning team at Crottenville, GE's Global Learning Institute. Hi, everybody. It's another episode of Brilliance Leadership Learning, and today we are welcoming our second leader in residence at Crotonville for the year, Melissa Twining-Davis. Melissa is the VP of Supply Chain Europe. Thank you very much, Melissa, for taking the time out of your very busy week to be with us. Uh, happy to join. It's been a great week so far. Good. Great to hear. So let the listeners know a little bit more about what is your role at GE. Sure. So let me just tell you what supply chain Europe means. Maybe that's a great place to start. Yeah. You know, I think that when we say manufacturing, we think the U.S., right? But the reality is we have a massive global footprint and we're really just beginning to learn exactly what that means. And along comes supply chain Europe. There are 43,000 people in the supply chain in Europe at over 140 factories and nearly 180 warehouses. When you think about that for footprint, mm -hmm. we're huge in the region. Um, and so trying to identify what supply chain means and supply chain across all the businesses versus working just in a vertical supply chain, that's the space that we're in. That's the space that we're trying to figure out is how do you run a function across all the businesses versus just within your business. Great. So tell us a little bit about your experience so far this week from what you're hearing from the different classes you've been in on campus and just in conversations you might have had with other folks around the company. Yeah, you know, I would tell you, um, first of all, you guys make for a hugely packed schedule. So I'm running every <laughs> minute, which uh, if everyone thinks, hey, you're having fun here in Crotonville, laid back, eating all the food. No, it's really packed. Um, I would first tell you I'm inspired. We have so many amazing people around the globe in jobs that, you know, A, may not have existed a few years ago, and B, they come with such thought-provoking ideas. I'm really excited and inspired about where the company can go with, with such a great foundation of leadership coming up in our, in our ranks. I mean, I think that's the first thing I'd, I'd say. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot this week about this idea of empowerment mm -hmm. and and do you really want to know what I'm thinking, whatever job I'm in and, and define what a leader means. Right. And, and there's a yeah. story that kind of comes about of when I'm a leader, then I will. Right. And maybe we grew up in that concept and you're starting to hear people say, no, I lead. I lead in the job I'm in, whether I have uh, people on my team or not. And I think that becomes this this journey of empowerment that we're working through. And I, I love to see that playing out. Absolutely. And that really ties into that mantra that I know we have across GE and, and originating from Crotonville, I think, of we all rise. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, it does. It does. And I, I think we, we've got a two-way learning to happen, right? Uh, leaders, in quotations, right, have to learn how to let go. And empowerment without trust really is meaningless. We do have to learn to empower and allow people to fail. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard a phrase the other day, which I thought was terrific. I don't know who said it, but 
Um, I judge everyone else by their actions and myself by my intent. Mm, yep. Um, and I think that's a great learning moment. <laughs> um, and so as we learn to empower, right, what was the intent? Did we succeed or fail? And, and allowing that not to be an ending point, I think for sure. And then I'd say for those that are empowered, for each of us in our individual roles, we have a learning journey to figure out that, no, no, I do bring forth my idea. Mm-hmm. I do push where I want to go and that the company wants me to do that. Sure. Yeah. If, if I flip that for you, it's an interesting note as well this week is the company is me. That also means, as I, as you were talking, I was thinking that that also means letting people disagree with you, not just bringing mm-hmm. their ideas, but and losing and letting go the control of their ideas themselves, but also if they disagree with you, because I know there, and this isn't specific to GE, there's a lot of companies that are afraid to give their employees a certain level of freedom because they don't know what they're going to say, you know, if they have access to a social media, an internal social media site or something like that. So that's just one thing that, um, I, I mean, what would your advice be for, for being able to let go of that kind of, or being, I guess, being open to disagreement. So I, I've had this learning moment for myself about giving versus receiving. And I think that's a big piece uh, of the PD cycle, whether or not you use the app, mm-hmm. right? Is that that feedback can come in all directions. And it's not just that I'm the bestower of in- inspiration, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that's, or, or advice, but that it can come in another direction as well. So it's been fun this week to, to receive both the continues and the considers. And uh, there's been an interesting balance of some have sent a consider and others have come up to me and found me in a hallway and said, would you mind if I sent you this consider? Oh, wow. <laughs> right? So um, so I think we have a receiving journey that we're on a little bit. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it works for you, I can flesh out what I mean. Yeah. So... Uh, I think we all value um, a giver and we think, you know, giving is a, is a great piece of who we are as a person. We give of advice, we give of our time, we give to charity, our community, our families, however, and, and we value ourselves on that giving component. On the flip side, learning to receive uh, is equally valuable, I might say a hundred times harder. Mm. And that's where the consider part becomes a bit more complicated is are you really open to receiving that feedback? Um, I had a great learning moment myself a few years back when a colleague told me, hey, Melissa, you're a great giver, but you're struggling to learn how to receive. Um, and it was when I was uh, going through an illness mm-hmm. and uh, I was having a really hard, hard time with everyone wanting to help me. Mm. Right. I didn't need anybody's help. I was right. fine. Um and that was his learning moment for me is you're, you're learning how to receive. And I've taken that thought and played it through in my work life beyond being, um, I don't know what the right word is, uh, humble enough, open enough, raw enough to allow people to help me mm-hmm. uh, when I was ill. Uh, it's now learning about being open so that anyone on your team can provide you with that feedback, you have to be in receive mode. It's much harder to control receive. Right. Well, the thing that I liked about what you said is it's not necessarily just the the, con- the considers in terms of the 
something constructive, right? Oh, you need to do this better. It's also, if it, even if it's a positive thing, being ready to receive. Yeah, agreed. And, and allowing an environment in which the individual who's going to give you the receive, going to give you the consider, knows that you're open to it. Right. And that's been a little bit of this journey this week saying, hey, do you mind if I send you a consider? Right. So we're still unsure mm. of whether or not people want to receive feedback. Yes, we should be giving you feedback, mm -hmm. but are you sure you want to receive? And I think that's that's a journey we still have to play out in front of us. Yeah, that's a great point. So what advice would you then give to individuals and or organizations looking to make an impact? You know, Beth Comstock released a great piece on LinkedIn just recently around the perfect failure, right? Yeah. Um, and as I read that piece, I thought it was really great. You know, everyone wants to know, when, when did I have the perfect failure that changed the course of my career? And good grief, like I feel under pressure to find the perfect failure. And the truth is we kind of fail every day. Right. So I think one of the things that we're without a doubt learning is forgiveness in the process, forgiveness of myself, forgiveness of others, um, being able to be resilient enough and open enough to see a failure and then to go forward from that failure. And I know, you know, we've got the authentic leadership class and we think through that, you know, I've been chewing on this idea around what's it mean to be an authentic leader? And I know that we've been talking about that a lot uh, in various ways for a number of years. And, and I, I want to just flip that question for a minute. And I think that we all can recognize today an authentic leader, mm -hmm. right? We love somebody who's raw and open, uh, humble to to acknowledging a failure, gives the 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 praise to the team knows that, you know, gives that recognition to the team doesn't say, Oh, look, my team did. That's not right. a form of recognition. Right. It's totally about the team. So, and, and we love the vulnerability that we see an authentic leader, but I think when given the chance to be authentic ourselves, we hesitate. Absolutely. Right. Because wait, we have this idea in our mind of what a leader is supposed to look like and we will revert back to that position versus show our own vulnerability. And I think that that, that idea about action versus intense, uh, what we love to see in our leaders, but what we believe we're supposed to emulate in ourselves, I think we're still in that journey for sure. And I, I, I guess my biggest piece of advice is let go, let go and forgive yourself and others and just move forward from where you're at. Yeah. You made a hundred mistakes. Great. I made a thousand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a, a great point that uh, one of our previous guests on the podcast, Melanie Fawcett, talked about in in producing content and people feeling like they have something to say. Um, so for anybody listening to this, if that resonated with you, um, what Melissa was just saying, and, and you want to hear a little more about um, uh, what Melanie's take on that was, I think that's a, a great episode for you to revisit. Because you're right, a lot of times we feel like we have to be an expert in a certain area, or we have to have a certain status, or for whatever reason, we are not the right person to say what we have to say. But, you know, in this uh, time that we're in, the value really comes from community, I think. Yeah, you know, and I'll add to that. So I am a dual career family mm -hmm. with young kids. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also the sandwich generation, right? So I've got young kids and I've got aging parents and I'm stuck smack in the middle. Mm. And I have 
uh, intensity at work, right, in my job. And I don't, I can't look at my day-to-day successes. Mm -hmm. I have to look at my year-on-year because any day, given day, I can have a crisis in any one of those categories. And my life's messy. And I balance it. I would tell you my journey in being more authentic is to be open about that. Mm-hmm. Not um, for my own excuses of why I might have a challenge that day, but because everybody is bearing one of those challenges in one way, shape, or form. And if I'm not open about them, then we don't we don't move forward in terms of acknowledging the challenges that our employees have and challenges that any one of us have in facing the day. There are days I'm together. There are days I'm not together, <laughs> right? It's a, it's a long-term journey, not a daily win. Yeah. Yeah, that connection piece is really important because we always, well, I think humans in general tend to focus on differences rather than similarities. And so even if there is somebody that's different than you, trying to find that common thing that you have, even if your experiences were different within that, that's that then becomes something that you can share together. I think... Uh, it's just really funny. I'll share with everybody. Right before we started recording this podcast, we found out that our IT guy is from the same place that I am and that Melissa also <laughs> has uh, ex- has um, some experience in the Midwest where we all grew up too, like in the same state. And this is South Dakota. So I'll just I'll lay that on the table. It's a small place. So it just allowed us to really say, Make oh my cut. gosh, what a small world. And I think just finding things like that and being open to like you said, being a little bit vulnerable, uh, talking about some personal things to you is is important for that relationship building, really. I think we all desire to make a connection. Um, and I think we separate work and our personal lives. And the truth is you spend more time yeah. at work than you ever will at home with the people you desperately love. Mm-hmm. So find a way for me, I've been finding a way to blend more and more yeah. work and personal being the same thing. Now, this does not mean that my best friends are at work um, or that I go on vacation with the people I work <laughs> with, but I'll tell you some of my closest connections. So some of my most powerful moments are with the people I work with. And, and I try hard not to separate so much. What I believed in the past I did is this is my work life. This mm-hmm. is my home. I agree with that. I really do. It's, it's, uh, I think they call it the work life flow. Now it's not the work life balance. It's the flow. There are going to be times where you're doing more work than you're doing life. And there's going to be times where you're doing more life than you're doing work. It just ebbs and flows, you know, depending on the day. So fully agree. agree. And you know, these devices only make it that much harder. Yeah. Figure out when am I off and when am I on? And I think we're in that journey of figuring out that flow. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's let's shift a little bit. We're okay. Um, let's talk about the digital industrial for GE and being in supply chain. I'm sure this is something that has impacted you and that business and the people that you work with. So, connecting that to leadership as GE does grow as a digital industrial company, how do you think that that changes the way that we lead, if at all? No, I I think we're on the precipice of huge change. You know, I'd, I'd say it's some sort of logarithmic curve, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's really hard in the beginning and then the curve becomes massively steep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that if you read anything about the supply chain these days, you'll hear we're in the middle of the fourth or beginning of the fourth industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. And it's true. The technologies are coming at us in a way that are going to fuse together 
uh, our digital space, our industrial space, our biological space, all of this is going to play out in a way that we just never understood it. And, you know, the, the discussions out there are that nothing will be left unchanged. And so I think at the moment, um, we still think, particularly in supply chain, we still think digital equals IT equals disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I certainly have, have had that thought in my head a million times. Um, but there is a huge change coming and we don't exactly know how it's all going to play out. And I think our job as leaders is not to figure out how to point out where it's not working, but to point out the possibilities of where this can go. Um, and we, we struggle with the word pivot mm -hmm. as to mean failure. Mm -hmm. And, and then we don't let go of it. We just use it to say, I remember when I did X and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and that we have got to pivot and move, pivot and move and keep going. We are going to have a lot of missteps on the way we implement digital, but we're going to have more rights than wrongs as this curve keeps going. And that's, I think, the curve that we've got to stay on is how do we keep it all moving forward and seeing the positives and the intents of where we're headed um, and not trying to figure out how to block the change for fear of a failure. Yeah. Do you think that there's been anything like this change in the past? Is it, are the challenges similar or is this a completely new thing that uh, just in terms of what it might take to adapt our behaviors is, is something we haven't done before? So we had a, a fun conversation this morning. This might be like way, way out in the wing to talk about this, but I think we have to think about significant changes over the, uh, over our industrial timeframe mm -hmm. and how hugely they move. So a group of us this morning, we're talking about, you remember when the industry all built up to deliver ice to your homes, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and now some big block of ice would show up to keep your food warm. Mm -hmm. uh, cool. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Ice seems cool. <laughs> uh, and yet almost overnight, right? That completely dies out. You can use the same analogy in New York city around, we built out an entire infrastructure handle, all of the horses that were going to deliver the people right. through the cities. Yeah. And in, you know, a period of 20 some years, it was cars uh, or 30 some years. Mm-hmm. We, we look back at that as something like transformative and huge back then, but nothing could really change in our time like that now. But I think that's exactly where we're at. Uh, is okay. we'll, our kids will look back at the time frame we're in now and they'll be thinking of the stuff that we did today, like delivering ice. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you say that because I've wondered what are the kids growing up today that are really young right now? What is going to be that thing? Because I can't imagine what could possibly be that much of a transformation from where we've come to where we're at now and where we've come from to get there. So yeah, it's so I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll age myself a little bit in what you just <laughs> said. And I, 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 we, you and I are decades apart. So here it goes. But when I started college, our computer was solely a word processor, right? You used it to type. So you didn't have to use that white ink stuff <laughs> ink out. when you typed your papers for, for your class. Uh -huh. Um, and I think in my sophomore or junior year, the mouse came out 
wow. like this is fabulous because you didn't have to use the arrow keys and the function keys. I don't yeah. even think you know what a tab function key is, but if you did, <laughs> that was the only way you could move around. Yeah. Um, you know, fast forward to when I joined GE in 1998, I got a 486 computer. But when I joined, I had to write a letter for why I would be more um, productive if I had a computer. Oh, really? Right? <laughs> so now here I am, right? And in front of us, as we speak, I have four devices going on right. at this time, right? I think that we are in such a moment of change that we will look back fundamentally to where we are and think, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. We didn't realize it. We didn't realize where we were at. Yeah. Well, so, and, and I'll be, I'll, I'll share some personal stuff about my life. I do have, I have a stepson who's 12 and it's even for me, I'm, I'm on that cusp of the ages where I do know what it was like before the internet existed. And our first computer was the big gateway, like huge boxy thing. Um, and so I, I remember that time before everybody was connected to their devices and Wi-Fi was everywhere. And even just that jump from my stepson, who is like, he was trying to figure out one day, I think we were like on the road and he's trying to figure out like why there's not Wi-Fi everywhere. And we had to kind of explain to him that like has to go through the router and like it's not just something that exists in space. <laughs> um, and so that's, I, yeah, like I, I totally get what you're saying that it's like the the next generation it's like they don't it, it's the concepts that being able to even think about what life was like like that is really interesting so you know I'll, and i'll add to your thought that we also allow this idea of industrialized or first world nations to think that we're on the leading cusp of all of that mm -hmm. but i'll tell you traveling through africa i had better cell service than i yeah. have in new england oh wow Right. We have our own biases. Yeah. Of we think leads where. And I think that's one of the things in terms of of uh, the transformation that's going on mm -hmm. that we have to realize that change is coming from absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And don't presume that you are the leader. Right. Right. That's a great point. So having been through this experience now, you're pretty much at the end of your week in Crotonville. What are some big things that you're taking away with you? You know, I, I've been uh, talking to a bunch of the students, which has been really a, an amazing experience. And one of the themes that's sort of resonating for me is this idea of finding your inspiration and cherishing it. There are a host of students here at Crotonville this week, and it's it's a pretty rare opportunity to be able to go. Um, and I think one of the things that they struggle with, whether this is Crotonville or anywhere else, but you struggle with this moment to come out of your everyday and have this time to think and reflect and, and think about the possibilities of what things could be, whatever the thing might be. Mm -hmm. And then you go back to your everyday, right? Could happen in vacation, could happen at Crotonville, yeah. could happen um, at a class you take, whatever, um, experience at a customer. And then you go back to your everyday and, you know, by Thursday – you're back to the day-to-day -day and your inspiration is a distant memory. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you, you struggle to reconcile what that experience was from what my everyday was. And I, and I think one of the things I'm um, picking up as I come out of here is, do you find your inspiration? Do you cherish it? And do you recognize that it's not an either or, but it's an and? 
Mm. And the moments that you take out of your life to reflect help you survive the everyday yeah. and help you come up with the vision of where you're going. There's a uh, there's a leadership principle I don't remember. It's somewhere in the 1980s, and uh, and I was uh, happily alive and running in that time frame. I doubt you were, so that's another another story for another day. <laughs> um, but the the theory goes that in leadership, you're on the dance floor and in the balcony, right? And on the dance floor, you learn all the details of how to execute every day, what how what the move is, how complicated it is when someone steps in someone's foot, you know, all that jazz. <laughs> um, and then you've got to pull up to go to the balcony so you can look at your dancers and see, do, do they flow to the music? Does the choreography work the way I thought it would? And that as leaders, and we are a leader in every job we're in, can you, can you move yourself back and forth to be enough in the details and then go up and see the strategy from the high level? Mm. And moments like Crotonville or moments like vacation, moments like a book that you read, they're your balcony moments. They allow you that time to see things differently. You find your inspiration in other places. They're not an either or, right? And they give you the resiliency to go back onto that dance floor and, and fight another day, learn another move, figure out another way forward. And I think that's what really for me what I leave with is cherishing more of my inspirations. Yeah, I love it. And I love that vacation, you know, when you included vacation as part of that, because you're right. A lot of times people, we go on vacation and we're just like, oh, you know, I have to go back to my everyday, but how can we, how can we bring that back? How can we keep that thread going? I mean, obviously it's not the same as being on vacation every day, but even then, I mean, I know there's, uh, I think we've done some blog posts about this before on what if you were on vacation for the rest of your life, you'd probably get sick of that and you'd want to do something a little bit different with your life. I mean, and you hear that from people who are retired too. They, you know, they decide to take a certain amount of time off and then they realize like, Hey, I re I need to work. I need to do something. Even if it's just a part-time job, I, I need to keep busy and keep inspiration in my life from that side that they had for so long. And now it, it might not necessarily be there. So great points. I think that's, that's really good to keep in mind. And I love the dance floor and balcony thing. <laughs> yeah. And I use it for myself to remind myself, where am I? Am I on the dance floor? Or do I need to go up to the balcony? Wait a minute. I have to level. Do I high level? Do I not understand what's happening? Mm -hmm. and, and I think there's just such learning moments in both places. Yeah. And I, I argue probably one of my biggest challenges has been learning, telling people, where are you? Yeah. Right. Le telling them where I am at the moment. Wait, I'm in the, I'm on the dance floor, not because I'm checking your work, but because I'm trying to figure out what do you do so I can learn where we're at. Help me incubate and learn in this space and then let me pull back up and then helping people, um, because I articulate better, um, which is always a challenge when you're in a learning moment mm -hmm. to be able to pull back up and then allow people to come along that journey or want people to come along that journey or have the ability to help them and the journey that you're on or they're on, I think is, is, uh, is definitely been a continued learning moment for me. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great way to communicate where you are and it gets very useful. And do you listen to country music at all? I do. When you're saying that dance floor, I'm just like, you're a heartache on the dance floor. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm not going to add to the singing, but you did that far better. Than I just like now I'm going to remember like I'm going to connect these two together and and that's how I'm going to use this in my life. <laughs> oh. um, but hopefully it's not heartache on the dance floor. 
anyways, is there anything else, Melissa, that you want to add before we close here? If if I can make a plug for the supply chain, yes, I please take do. A moment to do that, yeah, I absolutely believe that manufacturing is the place to be. Um, I've been in it my whole career. I intend to stay in it. Uh, I absolutely love this space, and it's hard, right? If it were easy, anybody would be in manufacturing. Sometimes mm-hmm. we work with suppliers that we think might be anybody, but we. It's a really neat place to be. It's a really hard place to be, but it's incredible. So a plug out there for anybody, learn your supply chains. You might find that you love it more than you know. Yeah. Is there anything, any place, um, any websites or just anything off the top of your head that people can go to learn more about it if if they're interested? Well, so Brilliant You right now has launched a a modules they're launching relative to how to learn lean and management of change in the supply chain. That would be a really neat place to go. Okay. Um, You'll find podcasts like this. You'll find web chats that we do uh, in in Europe. I'm not sure that they do them in the U.S. yet. Really around this whole idea of of, uh, manufacturing and where we're going. And Mm -hmm. Philippe's got tons of great stuff out there. I think Philippe Cochet, if you connect there, really about selling this whole idea of what manufacturing is. And it's, it's really an awesome place to be. Yeah. And is, is there any, uh, organizations or, uh, things like that for people maybe outside of GE where if they're interested, they can start to research or what would you recommend for those folks? Well, you know, if you, um, there's lots of different councils that are pulled together on different industries mm-hmm. that go in that direction. But, you know, you if you look at the growth of the supply chain management degrees that are happening at all the really great universities, that's another really neat place to learn from. And you'll find talks that are happening in any of those places. Um, the transformation of what's going on in the manufacturing space is pretty incredible. And, in, you know, honestly, you want to learn something about cutting edge manufacturing, go read up on additive, really uh, changing where any one of our industries is going. Awesome. Very good to know. Well, Melissa, thank you very much for being here. Uh, I've really gotten a lot of great insights from your experience on campus. I'm glad that you've had such a great experience. And if folks are interested in connecting with you, they can find you on LinkedIn, correct? Yeah, they can. I'm working far more to get our uh, presence out there relative to what the supply chain is. So yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it. We are always, with it being a digital industrial company, we are always looking for great talent for the supply chain. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks for being with us. I hope you have a great uh, last few days there and uh, stay in touch. Thanks so much, Chantel. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.